Good evening. How are you tonight? It's a late one. We're not going to be on until midnight. I'm telling myself right now. But who knows? Did you notice anything different about the lighting today? You know, I watch my videos. I don't I don't watch the live streams all the time, all the way through every night. But I do watch them and you know, as you know, I've been working I've been working on trying to make a just a more quality production. The content better, the the video better, the sound better. I've invested a few dollars into the stuff and it's all for you. It's all to make it better and you know, one of the things that I noticed was when I was when I was kind of looking at things while I was watching some old video is that you know, I have a this the wall that you see behind me is like it's kind of that color, okay? And um, when I would see my videos, it was, everything was orange. And I was like, that seemed weird. Like, that doesn't seem the way it's supposed to be. Now, you know I'm not an expert at, at lighting or film or, you know, audio. or I'm not an expert of any of this stuff. This is all just a hobby for me. Um, but I just didn't, I, you know, I just keep trying and, and hopefully hopefully you like what you see tonight and uh you know if i have to do more i will <laughs> that's a that's that's a threat and a promise um but anyway how are you tonight it's late here in st louis missouri it's it's 11 o'clock i have had a day but i just wanted to get on tonight and just kind of kind of relax and chill hopefully you want to do the same Hopefully you've been through all of your your ordeals today. We're going to go through mine because it was just, you know, as I was telling you yesterday, you know, I, I'm feeling good. Like, I've been feeling good this week. I feel like I feel like I can handle setbacks. And then today, it's just like I had setback after setback after setback. We'll go over that. You know, we're two minutes in. You're probably wondering, like, what did I just stumble on? Well, you stumbled on the Deerwood Realty live stream. Um, I'm your host, John Schenk. I'm the founder and managing broker of Deerwood Realty in St. Louis, Missouri. We're a small residential real estate firm. We help buyers buy homes and sellers sell theirs. At night, during the day, we do the Deerwood Realty live stream. Anytime I can get one out, we do the Deerwood Realty live stream. What is that about? Well, that's about current events. It's kind of the way I look at things. We talk about housing. Uh, we talk about the market. We talk about you know, strategies and things like that to help you um, be a better buyer or seller whenever you decide to uh, make that leap. But you don't have to. You don't have to be an active real estate. Um, you don't have to have to be an active buyer or seller to watch the program. In fact, um, you can just you can just watch me for me. Oh my gosh! So, you know. We're on like seven platforms now for streaming. We're on YouTube. That's where I started. Well, we've got the Facebook thing going. We've got the Facebook Live going. We've got Twitter. We're, we're doing it at Twitter. And we're doing it at the Deerwood Realty and Friends uh, website. Go to latest stream when you go there. I just see um, in my notes that I don't have it set up right. And I'll have to make some changes in my, in my notes for tonight. But... I don't think I'm writing notes when I get home, when I get done. It's going to be late and I've got stuff to do. So let's go over today. Now, look, maybe you had a terrible day. Okay. I, 
I feel bad for you. I, I get it. I don't know that my day was terrible, but I just wanted to run through it because it didn't go the way I wanted it to be. I wanted to have a, I, I honestly wanted to have a live stream around noon. Noon. I'm 11 hours late. And uh, man, it just, it just went crazy. And like I was trying to figure out before the show started, you know, how, how am I going to, you know, how did it go? I don't even know. I mean, it's, it's hard to remember what actually happened. Um, but it just did not go the way I thought it would. Um, and I just want to do something real quick. Show everyone that. That is so cool. Okay. Good. Um, anyway, let's get started with this morning. Got up, everything was fine. The car transmission is getting a little bit dicey. Whenever, like I have a Subaru, 2015 Subaru, uh, with quite a few miles on it because I'm a real estate agent, over 100,000. And when I drive now, when I, when I step on the gas, there's this, it feels like it's shifting out of gear. And the only problem with that is it didn't do it for the first 116,000 miles. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it's like, it's a very jerking motion. And I don't have an automatic transmission, um, like a traditional one. I have a CVT. And so uh, I, I don't know if I mentioned it or not, but I've got an appointment for that on the 20th of February. And I'm basically just trying to get, get through to the 20th. Like I'm just hoping the transmission doesn't fall out of the car before that or leave me stranded. So I've been very, very um, uh, careful with my driving. Um, but today I, I I had to go some places and uh, it was doing it. And I was just, I was talking to the car and saying, you know, please stop. Like, I understand, I understand you're, you know, sad. But we just have to make it to the 20th, okay? And then we'll get you fixed. We'll figure out what it is you need and we'll get you fixed on the 20th. Now, I, look, I hit the microphone. I hate that. I hate when I do that, it sh even though it's a shock mount. Anyway, uh, so I don't want to go a lot of places. I don't want to go really far. Now, you may say, John, that's kind of problematic because you have to show houses. Yes. Yes, it is problematic. And I do have to show houses. Uh, so I have been, I don't know. I'd say uncomfortable with the situation, um, but, you know, I keep driving it and keep hoping. So that nervousness that you may have to buy a brand new transmission day after day after day for 20 days is kind of like torture. Uh, because, as you know, I just got the, the sewer lateral fixed at the house. Now, I didn't get the floor. I don't have the concrete poured. I don't have the dirt put in the, in the in, back in the space. I don't have the flooring done. Everything's still dusty. If you look at the couch behind me, it's just covered in concrete dust. And it's going to stay that way because whenever I, whenever I mix the concrete for the floor again, it's going to get dusty and I don't, I don't see the point. But if you saw my desk right now, it's a, it's a disgusting mess. Um, I've got like, I mean, just to, for fun, here's a graphics card, my old graphics card. Now you say, ha, ah, that's a shitty graphics card. I get it. It is. That's why I bought a different one. But my computer is old, so it's like, anyway. So then, luckily, my wife was home today. 
And I, I knew I had to get to the grocery store. So when I drove to the grocery store and the thing was, the car was acting up, I was like, please stop. But when I went to the grocery store, I got some groceries for today's lunch. And my wife made uh, a pepperoni cheese bread straight from the oven. Like she, she, she made the bread herself. Oh my God, it was so good. So, you know, at like one o'clock, I'm feeling kind of full. Uh, life is good. I mean, the transmission's a little dicey, but it's not too bad. Um, then I get a text from my web guy, um, and we'd been talking yesterday, and he's he's working on fixing some things, uh, quite a few things. Like if you look at the Deerwood Realty uh, and Friends page uh, website, it's it's not it's not great. I've got I've got a bunch of uh, fillers and space um, that I need to go over and and change, but. Anyway, I, he's like, hey, who did this on this other website? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, well, who did this? Because this is not, this is unusable. I was like, what? And so a project that I've been working on or I've been looking at for about two months, I just found out today is totally screwed up. I don't know how it happened. I have to figure that out. But that was going to be a project that I was I was actually looking forward to seeing to completion around the end of February, and it is just a mess. So, uh, you know, you could be angry. That's a reasonable response. Uh, but, I mean, the transmission's bad. Transmission's bad on the car. So, you know... I mean, okay, it's not good. It's not good. So that was kind of a kick to the shin. Well, it gets better. I was, uh, the last couple of days when I've been trying to get, like we have a refrigerator with a, a water, you know, you get filtered water. And so, you know, you put it in the door and you just, it gives you water. And so I, I stopped drinking, um, I try to stop drinking soda as much as I do, or caffeinated soda, sugary beverages in general, earlier in this week because I'm, you know, there's more of me to love now than there ever has been. Um, and so, I, but there, for some reason, when I keep getting, trying to get the water, this the, the pressure isn't very good in the, and I don't understand why. I mean, I don't. I mean, I'm still getting filtered water and everything, so that's it seems normal. But something's just didn't seem right. Well, my wife started saying like, "Hey, the today she says, hey, the it says the temperature's like 50 degrees in the refrigerator." And I'm like, "Oh, that's not good." And then we looked in the the freezer, and it said it was like negative four degrees, but everything in the freezer was getting like soft. At negative four degrees, I don't think that's normal. So we bought a brand new refrigerator. It's a Samsung, okay? We bought it when, we bought it about six years ago, okay? And it has been nothing but trouble. When we first got it, the ice machine was broken. It was brand new. I don't know what we paid for it, but it was, it was a good amount of money. The ice machine was broken, and uh, for years it was broken, and finally they, they had a fix that made sense. So I got it fixed, but that wasn't before the, the whole ice machine would freeze up 
Uh, it was a terrible, terrible, disgusting mess. Um, but then today, just no refrigeration. Like, it's reading that it's cold, but it's not cold. And whenever you listen to it, like, the compressor sounds like it won't kick back on, which isn't good. But I, I didn't want to believe that the, the refrigerator was dead. So I told my wife, like, look, we'll wait for an hour, okay? We'll wait for an hour and see if the temperature's any better. She said, okay, so... We waited an hour. The temperature had not gotten any better. It had said it was getting better, but it wasn't cold. Um, so I was like, okay. So I, you know, I like to fix my own thing. So I went to YouTube and I looked up the situation. Ah, it's got to be that there's a fan in the back that just isn't working. Um, so that meant I had to take out all the dishes or all the all the food uh, to get to this back panel. My wife's at, by this point, my wife's getting her nails done. And so I'm, 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 I've got this open and I'm looking at this stuff and I'm like, it's not frozen up. There's something else. Something else is wrong. But, you know, I'm looking at this thing and one of the drawers is broken. Uh, I don't know how it broke, but it, it, it was, it's been broken a long time. They want like $100 for a replacement drawer. Okay. And I look at the ice machine and the ice machine's broken. And I think it's probably going to cost me like 200 bucks for the ice machine housing because it's all cracked and everything. And I look at the 200 or $400 I put into the, into the uh, motherboard to change it out and make the repairs that I had to make inside the um, refrigerator over the years. And I'll, and I'll tell you something. I just don't like the refrigerator at this point. Like we're not friends. It does, it's not reliable. Uh, in fact, I have a, uh, I have a refrigerator in the basement that I bought in 2007. It has never let me down one time. It has never done anything wrong. It just continues to run with no issues. And yet the nice stainless steel fancy dish or fancy refrigerator upstairs isn't working. So I took everything out. When I was taking stuff out, there something had spilled on the plastic underneath this the shelf I had to take out. So there's all this gooey. It smells, and I still can't believe that the refrigerator would be dead because how can you have a dead refrigerator, you know? And then you say, and then then we'll talk about it, you know, between the two of us, or the four of us, or however many people are here tonight. How, like. If I, I feel like I got about 600 bucks in the, in the, on top of the 18, or probably 1800 we spent on the refrigerator in the first place. So now I'm supposed to call a service person to come out. Just the service call alone is a hundred bucks. No offense to the guys trying to make money. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't begrudge you for that. But now I'm going to spend that kind of money for someone to come out and tell me that the compressor's out. I'm, I don't have it under warranty anymore. It's time for a new refrigerator. Now, I don't want to buy a new refrigerator. You know that my floor is destroyed in my house, the, the basement floor. You know that my car on the 20th, they're going to tell me that the, the uh, they're going to tell me that the transmission's dead. We know that there's a bunch of other things I need to buy after all this terribleness. Valentine's Day is coming up. I mean, money is just flying out of the house. So does it behoove me to get a new compressor for this stupid thing? I would still have to get a new shelf. Or still, I'd have to get a new drawer. I'd still have to get a new ice machine. Um, it just doesn't seem to make any sense at this point. So, 
you know, with the wife, we looked at some new refrigerators. We haven't gone to any stores. We just looked online. Similar to buying a house, you know, you look online first. And so anyway, so that took up much of the day. I got two, I got, uh, that was a, a kick to the teeth. I went and um, I got a phone call from uh, some new uh, first-time home buyers that are that are just starting their search, which honestly, like, I love I love helping first-time home buyers find their their first home. I love it. I, I just got done helping a a, a group uh, buy their first house, and uh, I was kind of sad that they're moving on. You know, I'm happy for them because they've they've got the house that they've you know they've wanted. But now I'm starting a new, and it and it and it's a great thing. So here I'm having like these positive things, the bread, new first-time home buyer. But I'm having these horrible negative things. These the transmission, uh, the refrigerator. So finally, it gets to be like nine o'clock at night, and I have we haven't eaten dinner because I've spent the whole evening working on this refrigerator. Now I understand. So we decide all the food from the top refrigerator has to now come down to the basement. So we got everything in the refrigerator has to come out. We unplugged it, and it's just sitting there leaking water on the floor it's a tile floor i guess it'll be okay but it's defrosting basically it's just it's it's just frustrating because you know i we have our family um we're going to have a family dinner this weekend for the first time since we got the 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 we the ability to use the kitchen sink and dishwasher and now we can't use the refrigerator so we don't, we don't, here's what we've lost with the, with the refrigerator being unplugged and not working. We don't have any filtered water, which I can live with. I used to use, I never did have filtered water until I met my wife. And then um, we don't have ice. I have an ice machine in the, in the basement refrigerator. I just haven't, I just don't have it cooked up to the water because uh, we had ice upstairs. Anyway, we finally, the uh, the stepdaughter's like, I'm hungry. It's 9 o'clock. I'm like, I get, I get it. I'm hungry too. So she's like, let's go up to the McDonald's. Now, McDonald's, in, for me, is like less than two minutes away, all right? But it's a horrible McDonald's. It's not run right. It, it just, so I don't very often go. I'll go, I'll often go further away because at least the other McDonald's are, seem to be managed better. But we, we didn't have a lot of time, and I, I wanted to get out of stream. So we, we went up to the McDonald's and uh, wanted to go in the McDonald's to order because I didn't want them to screw up my order in the drive-thru. Uh, a lady outside is smoking. There's like a 10-year-old boy running around the inside of the, the McDonald's, and she's like, it's the, uh, the, the, the lobby's closed. Okay. So then we get in our car, and we go to the drive-thru. Sit in the drive-thru. There's two lanes. Uh, one isn't occupied, so we go to the, the second one, and then we just sit there. No one comes and gets our order, or, you know, no one calls in. When you look down the line, okay, there's no one in line, okay? There's, there's nobody even there. It's just me and another car just sitting there, and they're not closed. It's, it's not, it's not, it's just they don't care, and I, and I get it. I get it. I understand. They just don't care. And so I was like, I said, should we just go to a different McDonald's? And she's like, yes. And so we went to a different McDonald's. They took our order. We were done in like 10 minutes. I don't understand why this McDonald's can't get its act together. But 
that's been my day. And then I, I really wanted to, like I said, I wanted to stream around noon today. And here it's midnight. And I'm finally getting around to it. But, you know, it's good. It's all right. I'll get through this. I'll get through this. You know, I've been so beaten down in the past. I just like, I needed some good luck. I was like, please let me have some good luck. And, I, and it hasn't really happened. I mean, I did get the floor fixed, the sewer. I don't have the floor done. But, uh, you know, it's like we believe that the economy is not really that strong, okay? Or at least I believe the economy is not really that strong. Now, that's just my own personal opinion. And I want to be saving money going into a bad economic time. And yet, it's like I don't have a choice. Do you think, I mean, a new refrigerator is going to be expensive. So is a new transmission. We should get my wife a new car, a new-to-us car, I understand, a used car. Um, it's just, it's very tough right now. Don't feel sorry for me. That's not what I'm, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, and this is, this is my family. I can only imagine what other people are having to deal with at this point. When we see that the statistics are, the credit card debt is at its highest point it's ever been. That's, that's not good. It's not good for us as a society. Uh, it seems to indicate to me that people are, are not able to live, you know, well within their means. So, anyway, I guess enough about me. I want to move on to something. Now, now, how do I put this? Here's how we'll put this. Here's how we'll frame it. I... Um, Politics ruins everything. I, I hate I hate what's become of politics. But I still pay attention to it. And I don't know if you guys saw... Well, what I wanted to say is that politics is performative today. And, and what I wanted to say, the performative definition that I want to use is made or done for show as to bolster one's own image or to make a positive impression on others. It's all for show. And I, what I, the way I wanted to explain it is, is I don't get like my views on YouTube or my views anywhere. They're not real high. I mean, for the most part, you're going to see me, you know, this way. This is this is the default me. I don't, I don't get too high. I don't get too low. I don't get too angry. I mean, it's it's just not who I am. And I feel a lot of times like if. I really, really, you know, jumped around and danced and and just screamed in the microphone and made weird noises and just be somebody like a character of myself, I would get far more clicks and I would be further along than where I'm at right now. Um, and and I know that because I, I tend to be what I would say like pretty center, maybe maybe even center left, I don't know maybe center right. I don't know. I, I just, I have my own beliefs and I'm okay with that. I'm comfortable in my own skin. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't believe the Republicans or the Democrats are, are there for me. I mean, let's put it that way. Um, and so that, that puts me in a weird spot where it's like, I can't just go and be a naked, a naked partisan. All, you know, like I can't be, I can't be far right. And, get the audience that the that the right has 
and get the hatred of the left to get to drive more audience to me. For instance, if you ever saw this, uh, what has broken down in what uh, Stephen Crowder says is big con. If you look at the Daily Wire, I mean, they're a big conservative outlet, a media outlet empire at this point in time. Um, but, you know, the whole, the whole way they make their money is to say, don't let big tech stop us. Don't, you know, you know, give to us so that we can continue the fight on your behalf. And it turns out that they don't really, you know, they don't basically support their creators or they don't support their employees uh, against big tech. And so that was a very enlightening um, moment. You, you have to have these things that people feel passionately about that you can drive home. And so on the left, it's the same way. It's just, it's always been to me that the left actually does what they say they're going to do. Whereas the right just, they talk about it, they pontificate uh, and they get led around all over the place. It's, it's really, really gross. So, you know, you can fight from the left, you can fight from the right, but then there's people like me who don't, who don't have a home, <laughs> an ideological home. But what I wanted to show you tonight, and I don't know how it's going to work because, you know, my, my, uh, my ability to, to set these things up is, is weird, but I've got this, I've got this clip and I, I'm going to turn off the sound because it's ridiculous. And I just want you to see it and then let's just go over it. So let's go like here and go here. This was today, I believe, on the House floor. And we're going to watch it. We don't need sound because it's stupid. Look at this, though. Look at this. Look at this girl just yelling or this woman just... What is it? I mean, look at the hands. Look at the. Look at this. Look at this. You now don't do this. Look at this. This here. I mean, look and shake your head and you point your finger like, ah, ah, and then she so slams her notebook down. Oh. And you say, you know, if I did that every night, if I did that every night, would people watch? Like, would, would that get me more views? She doesn't believe anything she's talking about. She has no moral compass. She's doing that for effect. It's performative. And you say, well, that's not fair. You're picking on someone that's on the left. Fair, fair. But let me show you what it's like on the right. Because here, I'll turn the sound on this one because you have to see it. This is, this is, when, this is when a Republican does this. Let me see. Make sure you can see it. I'm sorry. Here you go. Oh, bad. There you go. This is when a Republican does this. This is their version of performative art. Here we go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. See what? Yeah. Right. This is, do this. This helps. Some sort of cobra. It's not the number one priority. People want to be able to afford just living. 
and you're just funneling money to Ukraine like crazy. It's a big boondoggle and it's gross. But understand that, that this, this performance, it's just, how do I put it? That is a Republican talking to his base. Okay. That's a Republican saying, look, like we're composed. We're very, very intelligent. We're, we're not going to react in some strange way. We're, we're just, we're just going to go and take your money, take your hard earned tax money, and we're going to give it to another country. Okay. You have $5 uh, a dozen eggs. Okay. You have high credit card debt because everything's way more expensive than it was. We don't give a damn about you. We're going to take this money and give it to some other country. Okay. Cause then we can funnel the money back to us which is all this is. It's, the, it's a freaking Ponzi scheme like I've never seen. All right? That's, that's the bottom line. But, but notice the way it has to go. The, the, the Democrat, the left, they have to be animated, uh, emotion, appeal to the emotions. It, it really, you know, shake your fist. Shake your, you know, shake your, point your finger at somebody. Stomp around a little bit. Everyone likes a good stomping. But on the right, you have to act like you're, you know, you're, you're very... Uh, you can't do any of that stuff and get away with it, right? You have to be composed. We're stealing your money, but we're just going to pretend that we're we're not, right? It, it's absolutely ridiculous. I hate it. I despise it. These people are not working for the American public, and I don't know when the last time is that they have been, but it's just gross. And so I just, I was shocked what I saw, you know, this... AOC, she was crying about the kids in the cages. And then, you know, all of a sudden kids in the cages don't matter when it's a different president. And then, you know, this McConnell with, you know, he's just a mess. Just It's all disgusting. Um, so performative. Performative. <sighs> but, you know, I need more. I need more subscribers. Am I going to go down the path of hardcore politics? No, no. But I, I did just want you to see what I saw, uh, so you know what I was thinking. All right. With that, we're going to head on over to DearwoodRealtySTL.com. What are the mortgage rates doing? I know what the mortgage rates are doing because I checked this earlier today. Well, you look at that, the 30-year fixed is below 6%. Um, it's for the first time in months, they say, I don't know exactly. Um, yesterday, they were saying it's 6.04, so it went down five basis points. Anything below six, if we could get 5.5%, you're going to have a housing uh, boom, which is not good. Not good for buyers, not good for sellers long-term. This market is weird. Uh, lowering the the rates, lowering is very fascinating situation. Um, there were these huge, there was a huge spreads between the Fed's borrowing rate and the thirty year mortgage fixed, uh, and no one really knew what was going on with that. But to watch it contract now is also interesting, and I'll show you kind of in a in a tweet a little bit later, how 
you know, how that's being kind of misinterpreted, I think. So let's do that right now. Let's get into the, the tweets. Now, there's not going to be as much, and we're not going to do as many articles. I'm only going to do one article because I'm tired. I've had a day, and uh, hopefully you understand. Hopefully you let me get through till tomorrow when I will. Um, actually, i got to check something real quick from a friend. Sorry. Didn't work. Okay. Um, let's get into the tweets. I like tweets. This is from Tarek Brooker. This is the first time I've uh, I've looked at Tarek Brooker, aka avid commentator. Uh, he pulls this: thirty five percent of Canadian homeowners say they can handle the current benchmark rate of four point five percent for the current benchmark rate of four point five percent for an average of less than 10 months before they would be forced to sell or vacate their homes. If even a small fraction of those sell, Canadian housing is going to have a bad time. And so what happens in Canada is their rates re... You're, it's not a 30-year fix like here. Uh, so I think it, they get like two years or four years. I don't know the exact number, but it resets. And these people were all able to buy these homes in ultra-low uh, lending environments and, or borrowing environments, and now... Uh, they've reset and, you know, even like right now, it's as if it were at 4.5%, they, they can't even make it at that. It's not good. He's exactly right. He's absolutely right. Um, do I think the same thing? See, that's, that is one difference between the United States and the other, you know, world real estate markets. So Canada has the reset. Uh, and I know that Europe, I know that London, uh, England, not London, but England itself has a mortgage rate reset. So you may come in starting at a, at a low rate, but then it resets like every two or four years, I think. on a 30, So it's not really a 30-year fix. See, the United States, we've got this really weird situation where, um, you know, you buy a house uh, like you have been for the last two years with interest rates in the twos and the threes, Okay. You can buy an awful lot of house. Now, what that did was inflate housing prices to be, you know, absolutely ridiculous. But those people in those two and three percent interest rates are not going to move out of them. I mean, unless they absolutely have to. And then what's going to happen there is, is how can you not afford? Like, if let's say you bought a huge house, okay, the very top of what you could borrow, and you're at two percent, okay, and now you've got financial hardship or something, or you were just barely making your payments at 2 to 3%. And let's say you lose your job and you have to sell your house. You are not going to get the same quality of home that you just got. You're not going to want to leave that house. Uh, so this is a very bad thing going forward for years. Plus, if you're up there and levered that high, you're not being, you're not, and this is what something I see all the time, is you get this high payment that doesn't allow you to save money to do um, maintenance on the home. So all of a sudden, if the roof starts leaking, you can't get it fixed. You can't get a new roof. Uh, when the you know when the refrigerator breaks, you're not getting a new refrigerator. When the when the sewer lateral breaks, you're not fixing that for the kitchen. 
And that's funny is I, I, I can afford these things. I mean that, but because I didn't over love around my house and I've been in my house for more than 10 years. And, and you kind of have to look at this, stop looking at the home as, as like the piggy bank. Okay. See it for what it is. It's a place to, it's a place to call your own if you're lucky enough to be able to make the payments on it and the taxes. That's all it is. Now, do other people use it as an investment? Absolutely. Can you get like, you know, the question is, is can you get, how, how do you get, how can you margin at the lowest possible rate? Well, it's most often always going to be buying a home because you can get, you know, 3% rate. 4% rate, 6% rate, always less than what you could get in the open market for any other type of secured asset. So moving on, this is Darth Powell. It's in response to uh, the current market expectations for the Fed funds rate. Uh, in March 2022, it's going to be a 25-point basis hike uh, uh, to 4.7, from 4.7 to 5%. Then there's going to be a pause, and then there's going to be a rates cutting starting in November 2023 and continue throughout 2024 with the Fed moving back below 3%. That's what they say. And then here's his chart, which he's used a number of times. I don't even, I don't know if we've gone over it before, but we're going over it now. It says getting rich 1980 to the present, uh, make financial, uh, terrible financial decision to buy something with too much debt, struggle for a short time from your poor financial decision. Federal Reserve cuts the our Federal Reserve manipulates the cost of capital lower. Asset prices manipulated higher, allowing you to refinance, sell, or rent, and then say that you're a financial genius. This, in my own life, is what's happening to me. When we bought the house that I live in now, I don't know if you've heard the story, if you remember the story, I had a neighbor across the street come over and ask me if I really paid what I did for the house. I said, yes. He said, you're a damn fool. You have, uh, you have cost us all. We were all going to have to pay pro higher property taxes because of what you paid. And uh, this is ridiculous. Um, oddly enough, you know, 10 years later, he put his house on the, on the market. It did not sell for the price that he listed it for because he had never done any work to it since and he was an original owner. Um, and so that house was terrible inside. He ended up selling it to an investor who flipped it for a, a nice tidy profit, but it was at his expense. And so um, moral of the story, buy a house that you like, live in it for a long time, let things take care of themselves. I don't know that this is going to change. I don't know that this cycle is going to change. Okay. I really, I really don't. What is, I mean, it seems like every 10 years we have a housing bus at this point. So anyway, this is PK on Twitter. The inversion of the three-month to 10-year yield has predicted all of the previous eight recessions without any false signals. Maybe this time is different, but probably not. And that's just it. I mean, the yield, the yield curve is inverted. You've got two, uh, you got 2000. There was a, a recession. I remember that. I, was, I lived through it. And that's when I graduated college. Great timing, let me tell you. Uh, watching my stepson graduate college during uh, very, very tight employment, unemployment, you know, 3%, he's just like, you know, having a great time. Just he can pretty much name his job uh, and, and, and get it. And I'm sitting there when I graduated college, like they weren't hiring. No one was hiring. It was terrible. Absolutely terrible. 
And then in 2006, that's when we lost our first, uh, we, we were, in, we were investors. How, uh, I started an investment company, uh, and we lost everything, uh, flipping houses then. So when people ask me like, or people tell me like, you don't understand how to flip houses or anything like that. I, I just find it funny. Um, you learn real quick. You, you learn when you lose everything, like, Hey, flipping houses is kind of dangerous, right? So then I picked myself up and everything. And then we got 2019, um, which would be um, pandemic related, no question. And now we've got, now we've got the big one. Um, it will be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of months for sure. I thought this was interesting. This is from Fortune Magazine. Now look, Fortune Magazine has Lance Lambert uh, running the real estate show over there. And he's good. Like he knows what he's doing. So I, uh, I, I know their real estate coverage is solid. I don't know about the rest of the publication. Sometimes it seems to me they're, you know, doing a lot of clickbaity stuff and um, uh, their titles are, are clickbaity. But here's one that I thought was interesting. It says the, the rate increase will likely make it even costlier to borrow for homes, autos, and other purchases because the Fed just bumped up to interest rates. But as I showed you, interest rates have actually dropped the, the, the last two days since the announcement. Um, most people think that when you raise the, the borrowing rate, the Fed funds rate, that mortgages, 30-year mortgages follow suit. Well, it hasn't been that way. Um, if you look at the chart, um, uh, let me see here. Let me see if I can get to it real quick. Oh, I went to the wrong page. I'm sorry, guys. Here, let me go over here. look at our chart on Deerwood Realty, um, you can see, you can see this. I mean, we were raising, they were raising rates, okay, at this time. And because rates were also going up, not in tandem, not, not in a perfect parallel, but because, because rates were, they were saying, okay, well, the Fed is raising rates and that's what's causing um, mortgage rates to go up. But there had been that spread. It had been the widest spread, I think, in history between the, the Fed funds rate and the 30-year uh, fixed. And they were saying, well, if we can get that to contract, well, they kept raising rates. And as they're, as they're raising rates, now it's contracting. It's causing an, an opposite effect. Now, I don't know how long that can continue, but all I, all I can say now is if you go out tomorrow and want to put an offer in on a house, you're probably coming in on a quote at less than 6% on a 30-year fix. That's pretty good. So I don't, I don't believe this headline. Um, I, I do understand that as we raise the debt or as we raise the uh, interest on the debt, the debt that the United, government has, United States government has to pay is higher. So that's not good considering we've got a tremendous amount of debt. Um, so it's more expensive. I, I don't trust the politicians to stop spending ever on any party. This is the last one. I thought this was interesting. This is from Aaron Stumpf, Coldwell Banker Realty. I don't know. I think I'm following her. Now I am. 
I'm by the way, I'm not intimidated by other real estate agents here in St. Louis or like around the United States. I mean, I understand my job. Um, I understand there's other real estate agents and you know, fine. Says I'm represent and this is this is a, a fair assessment. It says I'm representing a buyer who is purchasing a flipped home. So I'll tell you right now, I don't like fix and flips. Having been in that side of the business, uh, having worked in that side of the business, I, I know what goes on. And having uh, been on this side of the business with just retail sales, I mean, I don't trust any fix and flip ever. So the seller provided a clear section one and two termite report dated 12 19, 2022. I advised my buyers to get this their own redundant inspection anyway. And this is what my go-to guy discovered. Additional work bid is at $18,000. Now, I want, I want to talk about this in a certain way, a certain amount of framing. I don't trust inspectors any more than I trust house flippers. Um, I don't trust contractors any more than I trust house flippers. I don't trust a lot of people in general. I'm, I'm sorry. It's just not something that I'm, I'm good at. Um, so in this case, it's possible that the guy that did the second inspection did find something, but it's also possible that his quote is ridiculous. And it's also possible that this agent knows that the quote is ridiculous, but is going to use that as leverage to try and get concessions from the seller. Now, maybe that sounds dirty and untoward, but to me, I mean, that's just the way the business is. I've, I've had people try that with me. Um, I'm able to spot it most of the time. You know, that's the way it is. You're ne to me, you're never going to get inspections right uh, if you're the buyer or the seller. Uh, you know, when you're buying a home, you're taking a risk. That's just the way it is. Can we mitigate the risk at it's, it's some degree? Absolutely. But you can just as easily have like five termite inspectors. You can just as easily have somebody else come through and find no termites. And then you would never have been in this situation where you've got this, you know, this $18,000 for the repairs. Uh, some, of the, some of the things that people don't understand about home ownership is it's kind of sucky. I mean, like, again, I'm, I've been digging out my kitchen sewer lateral for a month. Finally got it hooked up just this week. Uh, we take risks uh, when we buy a home, um, and we hope that it'll pay off. You, you use an inspector to try and mitigate that risk, but at the same time, you know, like, to me, like, let's say you can use, let's say, well, I mean, this is what happens in our, in our, in our, in St. Louis is some of the bigger teams will have contracted out with an inspection company and the inspection company, uh, they'll recommend like 17 different kinds of inspections, which will raise the rates uh, for the inspections to be like, you know, 2% of the home sale price. I mean, just ridiculous numbers. That's too high. Um, let's just say between like more than $2,000 to do the inspection. And then, you know, obviously the sellers, the buyer's going to want at least 2000 from the seller because uh, they, they want to cover that. But, but even more than that, um, 
like in a hot market, there are things you can do as a buyer. Like if you get a general building inspection and it shakes out, uh, if you see that and, and the guy notes that there's termite, um, you know, termite, uh, what do you say? Mitigation has been used. You can see like little, little holes uh, drilled into the foundation. Maybe that's not something that you need to get right now. Maybe down the road, if you, you know, if you want a termite inspection, you get it. Radon. How much does it cost to fix radon? Not that much. If you got a decent quality guy, uh, that might be something you might want to test on your own. You know, your offer has to be better than somebody else's for you to get the house. And so you got to put put that all into perspective. Also, you have to, as a real estate agent, uh, talk to your buyers and come up with an understanding of, of what they are comfortable with, what they will accept and what they won't. That's something I think that gets lost on a lot of people is, you know, some some buyers just think that the house was is going to be perfect and they're only going to buy a perfect house. That perfect house doesn't exist. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of not not play both sides, but just give you some insight as to what what I see. Now, by her tweeting this, it's like, look at what a great thing I did for my buyer, right? Oh, you're really good for your buyer, which I think was the intention of the tweet. Let's get to our article. I'm not going to do the other article. That's for tomorrow night, but let's get to this one here. I thought this was interesting. It says, uh, the 2023 housing market is looking up. Now, I don't know what that means. Like, was it down before? Really? Oh, man. Maybe I screwed that up. There. I probably I probably missed half of my tweet on the on the repair. But anyway, uh, three things that should give home buyers real hope. So what I'm what I'm reading from this is that home buyers had no hope. Well, that that's not the way it went. Really, there's been a a, a couple months here where you could buy a house and 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 stand a good chance of getting it without even bidding more than asking. It says after suffering all time lows during the COVID nineteen pandemic, the supply of homes for sale has rebounded with a bang. January marked a whopping 65% more real estate agents than the same month than this same month a year earlier, according to a recent inventory report from Realtor.com. Doesn't really mean anything. It was such an odd time in the past. Um, I'm not I'm not comfortable with. Um, let me move this down a little bit because my because my uh, let me change this too. My focus, my autofocus, is like not happy with me. Let me just raise this like this. There's got to be enough space between me and the microphone so that the focus doesn't freak out. Hopefully that works. Sorry to sorry to cut you off in the middle of the show. Um, it says, and while home prices are still up year over year, they declined from the pandemic peak. January's median home list price clocked in at four hundred thousand, moving holding steady since December, but much lower than June's high of four fifty. Or 449. Okay, that's good. It says, in addition, in addition to the deluge of homes for sale at more reasonable prices, mortgage rates are also down from their 20-year high, which broke 7% in November for the week ending January 26th. Freddie Mac found that rates for a 30-year fixed rate loan averaged a mere 6.13%. And if you go to today only, you were at below 6%. These three things, lower mortgage rates, stabilizing home prices, and a glut of listings, Spelling a long overdue opportunity for home buyers to jump in the market and snag a deal. I do not believe 
that there are a glut of listings. In fact, with my new buyers, I did take a look at their, um, their, their, uh, what would I say? Their wants, okay, what they want in a home, uh, price, features, ran a, ran a report on a pretty huge swath of St. Louis, and there's like 24 listings total. And of those, there's like two or three that have been on the market for more than four days. So I, 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 I have to disagree with the, the, the national real estate market consensus, at least as far as St. Louis is concerned in the surrounding areas. It's still very, very tight here inventory-wise. Um, the fact that mortgage rates are down from their November highs means that today's home buyers aren't paying quite as much as they did before, says Daniel Hale, chief of chief economist of Realtor.com. But yes, that causes problems with comps because sellers are using comps from when rates were two percent six months ago, two to three percent. They're not using the rates when they were seven percent. So it's problematic. It says plus mortgage rates may dip lower still now. We read from Fortune that the Fed is raising rates, borrowing rates, and that the, in theory, housing rates or mortgage rates should follow that that uh, that path, but they didn't so far. So what's going on? It says uh, further declines in inflation are expected at this point, but if they register faster than expected, that could mean a further drop in mortgage rates. That would bring back purchasing power for buyers and help close the current gap between what many sellers hope to sell for and what many buyers are willing to pay. Now, see, I don't want to go back to that market on either side. It wasn't good for the buyers. And it wasn't, I mean, it was great for the sellers unless they had to move. If you became an eventual buyer, it was no good for you either. Um, I don't ever want to see that mania again. It was terrible. Um, do you know what it's like to tell people that they didn't get a house, you know, seven and eight times? And they had bid like fifty to sixty to a hundred thousand dollars over what the asking price was. It's it's soul crushing. It's soul crushing. Um, an interesting year for real estate it says. Yet the unpredictability of what interest rates might do next has many buyers and sellers nervous about forging ahead. Well, if you're a seller, as long as you price your home right, don't worry about it. You should be in good shape. And if you're a buyer. Don't chase after one house. If you see one house that you like, that's okay. But just know that there's always another house. It says January data tells us that it's going to be an interesting year. Both sellers and buyers are feeling their way out of this market stalemate with a keen eye on the broader economy and interest rates. But this isn't true here in St. Louis. Again, I can't take, I can't say anything for somewhere else, but it's not true here in St. Louis. In St. Louis, you know, if the house is priced right, you're still, you could still get multiple offers. Uh, I have a house that we're going to go see this weekend where I couldn't even get a showing for the first day that it was on the market. It was already taken up. I doubt that it's even going to be available by the time we get to the house. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful, but I'm not confident. It says, while steadily climbing inventory means buyers can enjoy plenty of homes to shop and a more balanced negotiation with sellers, their affordability challenges persist. Despite the recent dip in the rates, median mortgage payments are still about $750 higher each month than they were just one year earlier. And that's kind of what I see. It says, additionally, many potential buyers are faced, facing financial crunches in many aspects of their lives due to stubborn inflation. And that's what I'm saying. If you, if you increase this 
if you go back, I mean, inflation in housing, I mean, that was that level of inflation was worse than pretty much any other inflation you were seeing. All that inflation was coming from the housing market. And by coming through the housing market, it was causing inflation in other industries. Um, so it says, the net result, many bottom-minded buyers are unable or unwilling to make offers on homes as aggressively as they were a few months ago, if at all. Yeah, but I, I don't, I don't, so... As a result, many homes are simply sitting on the market an average of 75 days, way longer than the June rush when listings lingered a mere 32 days before being snapped up. But again, like I'm telling you, if you price your house right as a seller in St. Louis, you're probably going to get multiple offers still. I mean, this is in February of 2023. Uh, that's why inventory is so much higher. It's not that homes are being are going up for sale. Rather, the ones that are on the market already aren't selling as fast. I just, again... I mean, I take buyers to homes now and they're sold before we can even make a decision on whether or not we're going to write an offer. This happened two weeks ago to me. So I don't want to, I don't, this is, this is not my reality. This is not what I'm seeing. It says why home sellers are hibernating. Well, I told you why home sellers are hibernating today. They're hibernating because again, if they've got a two or 3% interest rate, they don't want to move. It says, meanwhile, Potential, many potential sell owners are remaining in their homes rather than listing one for one simple reason. They're locked into mortgage rates with low interest rates. They aren't willing to give up. I'm being performative. Sellers might also be hesitant to list properties that will simply sit there growing stale and, and with nary an offer in sight. Well, how would you know that you're not going to get an offer if you don't put it on the market? And so the increase in listings, which breaks down to 248,000 more homes on any given January day, hides an important caveat. In June, new listings were down 2.8% over a year-over-year basis, following a much steeper year-over-year drop of 21% in December. So what they're saying, what that means is there are, there are houses that are on the market longer, which is what's creating the inventory, not new houses coming on the market, not new inventory coming on the market. The inventory on the market is staying on the market longer. Why does this decline in fresh homes for sale matter? Because new listings help drum up demand and attract buyers, many of whom have already checked out uh, listings that have been lingering on the market for months. That's right. That's right. I mean, why would it have to be on the market for 30 days? What's wrong with it? Even now. Fresh listings are a new opportunity for buyers because they might mean they will better fit the needs and budget of potential buyers. However, she urges buyers to give those long in the tooth listings another look since this is where sellers might be desperate enough to lower prices. Well, we don't know. We don't know. And so we could be we could be going to houses and wanting to write lowball offers only to be shunned by the seller because they still believe it's a strong market. Just because they personally don't benefit from, from their house doesn't mean they don't think that they should benefit based on people selling their houses around them, their family, friends, uh, circle, sphere of influence type things. Um, one benefit to buyers of looking at older listings is that their sellers may be more willing to negotiate. Sellers of new listings are typically going to want to see how many offers they can attract in a week or more before considering negotiating with a buyer. That's true. Where inventory is soaring, regions in the south and west have been taking a beating in the market downturn with supply far outweighing demand, sometimes by staggering numbers. Take Nashville, Tennessee, a pandemic darling. The once hot Nashville saw its 
inventory grow by a whopping 304% on a year-over-year basis, according to Realtor.com data. In 2021, we had just over 3,600 units available on the market. At the end of December, we had just over 8,200 units. So they've got more. Uh, it says Copeland explains that there are several factors at play in the rise in inventory. One is pricing with home sellers still putting homes on the market for $25,000 over comparable properties. That's ridiculous. Sellers aren't being as realistic with, pr with pricing straight out of the gate. When you couple that with higher interest rates, it causes a slowdown. I agree with that. Hale agrees with this on the on-the-ground assessment. What we see in the data is that while home sellers are more likely than a year ago to reduce their asking price, the majority of home sellers are still not making reductions. That's right. I mean, they saw their neighbor sell a house for X. They want to get more than X. It's like a natural feeling. It doesn't matter. Like if I go right now, if someone calls me for a listing appointment, they're going to say, how much, can, how much do you think we can sell this house for? And I'm going to be kind of on the low end, okay? Somebody else, some other agent might come in there and say, we can sell it for, you know, 25% more than what John said. They can't. They're not going to. My listings are great. But that doesn't stop people from being greedy and wanting to, wanting to have more. It's a very, that greed of, and that, that feeling of, of pride of, of getting the highest price in a neighborhood. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's like a drug straight to the brain. I mean, it's just amazing. Um, what will happen in the housing market year ahead? Well, we don't know. We don't know. There could be global problems. We really don't. I mean, so anything, this is just speculation. It says to get the market moving again, which again, to me, the market's moving just fine. Leave it alone. Uh, perhaps both buyers and sellers need to budge and make some concessions so they can meet in the middle. I, I mean, if you're a buyer, okay, and you're reading this and you've been looking at houses for the past six months and not gotten a, not gotten a house under contract, that's the last thing you want to hear is that you need to be giving more concessions. Like you're done with giving concessions. It's your time to buy. With macroeconomic conditions continuing to shift and adjust, it's more important than ever to focus what you can control and on your individual goals. I, that is absolutely right. When you go to the marketplace, it, you, everything has to be looked at through a, uh, 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 a lens of, is this the right decision for me as the buyer? How am I impacted by this decision to purchase or to move along to a different home? As a seller, you can't create more buyers, but you can price appropriately for the buyers that are in the market. 100% right, very hard to do um, for one's ego. As for buyers, don't forget your negotiating powers and your gears up rather than letting high, high listings prices. Wait a minute. As for buyers, don't forget your negotiating power as the new year gears up rather than letting high listings prices push them past what they can afford. As a buyer, you can't set the market price, but you can determine what you're comfortable paying and make the best offer you can on a home that fits your needs and falls within your budget range. Yes. But I would argue that as a seller, you also can't set the market price. You're, you're at the mercy of buyers buying your home. So yeah, I don't, I don't really agree with this article in any meaningful way. What do you think? You should put it in the chat. You should put it in the comments. Let me know. Well, I was able to live stream. It's now the next day. <laughs>
I hope you enjoyed the stream. I should be around tomorrow. I don't know what time. I'm hoping it's not really late at night, but it might be. Uh, with that, I'm going to head on out. Thank you for watching. Uh, thank you for listening, and I'll catch you.